Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories Edition. My name is Rachel Laurie Harris. I'm a professional dog trainer, and I'm also the proud owner of an American Staffordshire Terrier that we lovingly call Waylon. In this series, Pitbull Stories, I talk with pitbull owners all over the world, and we share our stories about pitbulls, how we got into pitbulls, how we love pitbulls, what we've learned from them, and how we're advocating for the breed now. I'm really looking Looking forward to sharing these stories. And if you'd like to be a part of this series, please follow us over on the Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. Send me a DM. I would love to chat and hear your pitbull story. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories Edition. So I have a pretty special guest with me tonight. Um, She is the reason that Waylon is in existence, and I am eternally grateful to her for that. So girl, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to my listeners, um, tell us about you, and and we'll kind of learn more. Okay, so my name is Ainsley Rodriguez. I have Leilani Amstavs. And I've had Amstabs for 10 years now. Um, I've grown up with pit bulls for, since as long as I can remember, you know, your typical bully breeds. It wasn't until maybe like I was about 16 where I wanted to get into dog showing, but I lived in a rural area. So that was kind of hard. So when I moved to Georgia, um, I finally actually got my first purebred Amstab. So currently I have... Um, Tabitha, Kevin, Blossom, and Bella. And Bella is who started it all. So Bella is actually Waylon's mother, and she will be 10 years old in December. Oh my God, time flies. That's crazy. Yeah. She's 10. Yeah, she'll be 10, and she's still hanging out. <laughs> you can't even tell. I love it. Okay, so I just want to ask you this, right? As someone who, who, breeds purebred dogs. How do you feel about the label pit bull when people are describing your Amstaffs? Well, I can't, honestly, I feel like it's hard because people, like, I feel like now with there being so many different bully breeds, like you got your American bullies, um, your pit bulls, you know, AKC considers pit bulls Amstaffs, where UKC, they're still pit bulls. So it does make it hard. I get that a lot, especially working in veterinary medicine my doctors are like, oh, she has pit bulls. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I have American Staffordshire Terriers, like a pit bull, it's just like, like a general term um, to me. And sometimes I feel like that lumps them in a bad category. And, you know, they're not, they're great dogs. Yeah, right. It's such a weird thing. Because like, you know, I, I always use the label pit bull, but I'm really quick to correct people when they call Waylon a pit bull. Because it's like, but he's actually not, right? Like, he really is actually an American Staffordshire Terrier, which is different in a lot of ways, right? And I feel like the labeling, like, I don't know. If people are, like, talking about, like, pit bulls and how much they love them, I feel comfortable with it. But as soon as they start being like, oh, pit bulls are bad, that's, I'm so quick to be yeah. like, oh, no, he's not a pit bull. He's actually an American Staffordshire Terrier. Yeah. <laughs> and I get conflicted about it, too, because, like I said, I think that if, the UKC would break away from it and separate them. It could be different. Um, and people still say that they're, they're the same breed. And yeah, you know, out, they have came from the same lines. Like if you look far enough back, you know, you'll see a lot of similar pedigrees. But right now, you can't, I can't take a UKC registered pit bull that doesn't have any AKC registration and register him as an American Staffordshire Terrier. Right. So that's where, you know, you kind of draw the line, but they're, they're great dogs. I think with the right people, for sure. Like not just anybody, they take a strong person to have them for sure. They so do. And it's like, it's so funny. And everyone listening to this podcast knows, they know the inner workings of me trying to like survive raising Waylon. But it's like, I tell people, I'm like, if you don't want an athlete that's going to push you beyond the brink of what you thought you were capable of, like an Amstaff, probably not the breed for you. (laughs) No, definitely not. And I think some people, they misinterpret that because they think that, oh, you know, they're going to be this chill dog that's just going to sit on your sofa. And don't get me wrong. I have some of them that Bella, that's all Bella wants to do. Bella was like, okay, this is my spot. She was never really into confirmation. We tried showing her 
and it just didn't work. She would go around the ring one time, and then that was it. You were lucky if you could get her around a second time. Whereas Kevin is go, go, go all the time. We do dock diving. You know, he likes lower coursing, you know, hiking to an extent. As long as it's not too hot, he likes to do stuff. So it just depends. And I have that, too, and people are asking me, I try to match puppy owners with what they want because I have some puppies that are like real mellow, like Randall now, who's Randall. Yes. He is like, don't do nothing. Like, I'm just going to sit here and hang out. So for everyone listening, Randall is, I think, technically Waylon's nephew, nephew. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he was recently um, acquired by a friend of ours in Colorado lovely personality. And, you know, I want to touch on this just a little bit because I think that it's, it's, I respect so much what you do in your breeding program. And I remember reaching out to you, right? And I'm sure I was one of those annoying puppy buyers that had like 5 million questions, but you know, I'm asking all this stuff and I was very honest with you about what I wanted from a dog, right? I wanted to do sports. I wanted to do a lot. And I had, you know, my eye on maybe one of the other colors of puppies. And you were like, listen, right? Like Waylon is the dog for you. This was before he was even called Waylon, Uh right? And I think that that's so important. I think people don't realize like how much variety there can be with one breed of dog, especially when we're talking like the American Staffordshire Terrier. Yeah. And you know, back then I was still getting started. So it was great. Like, you know, we were both new and I was, you know, trying to pair you with the best dog, you know, that I thought that I could give you. So it's just amazing to think that was like, what, three, four, almost four years ago now. I know. I know. It's incredible. Oh my God. Okay. So, okay. So Bella's the dog who started it all. And then, um, so back then, 10 years ago, so did you acquire her hoping to start a breeding program? Yeah, so initially I got her, um, because like I said, I wanted to show dogs, and I grew up with pit bulls, so I was like, well, I want to show dogs, but I can't show, I wanted to show AKC, because that was the thing, you know, I wanted to go to Westminster one day, and I, you know, and so I was like, I'm going to get an American Staffordshire Terrier, because I can show AKC, and so that's when I got Bella in 2010, and originally I was just going to get, um, I just wanted to show as a hobby, you know, breeding was like way far, you know, into the future, but then you get talking to other people and you're, you know, looking at genetics and it just becomes so, you know, interesting. And like I said, I tried to show Bella, it just didn't work. So we ended up, um, I co-owned her. So we ended up breeding her with my mentor. And, um, at that time I was finishing up clinicals. So, um, I pay, i so we sold the puppies and one of the females that I sold, I sold to a guy that lived nearby. And so after clinicals was done and I was ready to go ahead and try to show and breed again, we bred Bella's daughter and that's where Kevin came from. So Kevin is um, a Bella grandson and he's pretty much my first um, breeder owner handler dog that I finished. Oh my God. So for those of you who like my heart dog, <laughs> you're, you're going to have to, I'm going to include pictures because Kevin is a remarkable specimen. I mean, he's so good looking and his quirky personality. I cannot get enough of the videos that you post of him with all the puppies. Oh my God. He loves everybody. He's in, and people are like a lot of people. And I think that's one of the misconceptions about the breed. They look at him and they're intimidated because he's a big bully dog and then he's black on top of that. And so they're just like, he's scary. And I'm just like, he's great. He's great with everybody. Like, you know, I have Louchin now too. And even the little ones, he knows like how to be with them. Like I can't be rough with them. Like I can be with everybody else. Oh my God. He's so fabulous. So I want to hear just a little bit about like how, um, you being an enthusiast of the breed and starting to breed, like obviously you had mentors in like the AKC, like confirmation world, but what was, what was the reaction from like other people in the confirmation world? Do you feel like there were like stigmas about AM staffs or do you feel like in your community they were, they were pretty welcoming? Well, I mean, the AMSAP community is pretty well knit, but as far as outside it goes, I definitely think there's stigmas, you know, um, I could be walk 
I see people pick up their dogs at dog shows when I walk by, you know, like they're scared and they're scared of their dogs. Meanwhile, a lot of the times it's the opposite. It's the little ankle biters you got to be worried about. But I feel like as the owner too, I have to protect him. So sometimes I might even pull him to the side, not because I'm afraid of what he might do, but just because I'm more concerned about other people's dogs. And you have to be that way at a dog show. There's just so much going on. You know, some people are holding dogs, but they're not near them like they should be. You know, you just have to be even in the ring with other with other breeds, other amstabs. You know, you still have to be concerned because that yes, they should be well socialized, but at the end of the day, they can be dog aggressive. You know, and that varies. You know, per dog, per line. You know, some lines are what we call hotter than others, yeah. and where I don't have that issue with any. I'm not saying it couldn't happen where I typically don't have that issue with my dogs. Um, I run everybody together. You know, some dogs I've had to like, you know, I have to be careful with in the ring, Amstaff or, you know, other breeds. Yeah. Do you feel like that same stigma is given to other breeds, like in the show ring? Yeah. I mean, typically a lot of your big, a lot of your bully breeds, your bull mastiff, even like your German shepherds, you know, and you just can't help it. Like, I mean, you just, it's just, unfortunately, you know, you just have some bad apples and it just ruins it for everyone. Right. And it's like, you know, I feel like everyone listening, I, not everyone listening is like super huge into the confirmation world, but they live in everyday life. You know what I mean? Where yeah. That stigma rings true. And I, I just think that it's fascinating, right? That like in the confirmation world where like everyone's purpose is to you know, be there with their dogs and show up what they've got that like, there's still their stigmas. You think in like such like a dog centric world, people would be more aware of like, yeah, dog behavior and it wouldn't be so breed specific. Yeah. I mean, like I had, um, we were waiting for groups and I had Kevin one day and a guy, he had a border collie. He was like, Oh, that's a pit bull. And I'm like, that's an American Staffordshire Terrier. We're here at AKC show ring. Like, what does that mean? That's a pit bull, you know, like people are just, they're oblivious sometimes. And that's why I try to educate people. Like not everybody's going to love your breed, but you will respect them. Like that's my biggest thing. Like you don't have to, they're not for everyone at all, you know, and that's okay. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And I feel like, you know, especially in the confirmation world, like everyone has chosen a specific breed or two. For a reason. Yeah. yeah. But like, you think that you would have that same respect for other people, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, I don't love every single breed, but I still feel like I, I have respect and decency for the owner of that breed. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, how, how do people perceive you like outside of the confirmation world? Like when you're out with all the dogs, like what does your community think of it? Um, well, I think my community probably thinks I'm crazy a lot of the time. <laughs> especially like my neighbors, they're always like, especially because Kevin draws a lot of attention because I think they think I'm yelling at a kid until they realize that it's my dogs. But I mean, I try to educate them like whenever you know I have them outside I try to you know we walk still even though we have a yard we walk and you know some people will walk to the other side of the road or but then you got some people that are you know really great with the breed and they want to pet him and they want to you know ask questions because they're amazed because his head's so big or so I mean my community for the most part is great here where I'm at right now I see a lot of like your pit bull mixes that people have so they're respectful you know, but I will have, you know, when I go out to like PetSmart, if I go there or somewhere, or if I'm like hiking or at the park, you have your your parents that are pulling their kids to the side because I think they think my dog's going to eat their children, but <laughs> he's not, you know? If only they knew the truth about what a total <laughs> mush they are, right? Okay, so for everyone listening, can you tell them where you're located? I'm in Byron, Georgia, so I'm about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. Yeah. It's been really interesting, right? Because all these conversations that I've had, for the most part, people's community have been like really open with welcome arms. Like I feel like yeah. the whole, you know, perception, like the persona of pit bull type dogs, I feel like it's shifting a lot. And, you know, yeah, it's definitely getting better. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely getting better. You know, I think owners are taking more responsibility and trying to advocate, you know, for the breed as a whole. 
Yeah, I, I agree, right? And I think that, you know, people are seeing pit bull type dogs like out doing normal dog stuff, right? Like not causing mm-hmm. a, a ruckus. And not that they can't cause a ruckus because the dog can do, you know, a lot of obnoxious things. But I feel like the, the persona of pit bull type dogs is definitely shifting, which I love so much. And that was a lot of my intention with starting this whole series, right? <laughs> is to, yeah. to talk about it, right? And, and how fantastic they can be. They are. And they're so versatile. Like you can do tons of stuff with them. It really is. It's incredible, right? Like, you know, because <clears throat> obviously my experience lies in Waylon so much, but like, he's the type of dog that like, he'll hike a 14 or he'll do an agility course, or he'll dive into a group of kids to lick and let them mm-hmm. all pet him. Right. Like he's, he's, he's so multifaceted and I'm, I'm so grateful for that in him. So I'm, I, I would love to hear just a little bit more because I know that especially for pit bull type dogs, there is a lot more hate, for lack of a better word, as far as like responsible breeding goes. And and I'd love just to hear your experience with that, right? Like, I respect what you do. I believe 100% in ethical breeding. You are the future of the breed and that brings me a lot of joy, but I know that there are a lot of haters out there. So I'd love just to kind of hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I think a lot of people, so for example, uh, when I started my job, I was fresh out of tech school. There, they, we have a doctor there. He is old school, you know, he's kind of just go with the flow, whatever. But then you have the doctors there that are like definitely against breeding. Like I know, I'll never forget when I brought Belle in for her first exam, like I was looking at her record the other day and it said need spade. Like that's what the doctor wrote on her chart. And so... And, but now they respect me a lot more. I think they thought at first that I was just this young girl that was just breeding, you know, pit bulls in her house, you know, but <laughs> I, it takes, it's a lot more than that. And I think some people are like, well, why buy pit bulls whenever you can adopt one for the shel- from the shelter? And that's fine too. But some people, some, like for you, for instance, some people want a certain thing. You want a dog that's going to be good for agility or rally or confirmation you know, or just you want to be more sure, stable temperament wise, because, you know, you have a family and, you know, you want to make sure you're getting exactly what you're getting. And that's where health testing comes in and temperament testing. You know, we don't just put dogs together. We try to, you know, make sure they complement each other health and structure wise. That's what makes the the breed, you know, what it is. And if, breeders aren't preserving these traits and then there won't be any more pit bulls or American Staffordshire Terriers. And I think that's where the confusion lies. Like, you know, the breed has to be preserved. Like granted, they're not bred anymore to do what they were supposed to do, you know, and there is issues with dog aggression, but they were never supposed to be people aggressive. And I think that's where the misconception is. People are like, oh, these dogs are, you know, they're bred to fight. And yeah, that might've been the purpose one time, but they were not bred to, you know, fight people or be human aggressive. This is deep dog aggressive, not like human aggressive. And I think that's a lot of misconception that I see on the internet a lot is people when they see the breed they don't they hate it because you know some type of dog mauled some kid but a lot of times it's a mixed breed dog you can't specifically say that that you know UKC registered pitbull or that AKC registered amstaff did that yeah and right? that's why you need gr- good breeders so we can try to preserve these temperaments so we can keep advocating you know for our breed and it's so true. And and I don't know if you know this actually, but before we had Waylon, we had a, another Amstaff. He was a mix, right? Like he was like 70% Amstaff, but there was some other stuff thrown in there. And he was lovely. We adored him, but he could be very dog aggressive. And in my line of work, it was a lot to manage him, right? Because I have dogs mm-hmm. that are out of my house. I'm doing all this stuff with other dogs. And like, that is why I sought you out is because I wanted a dog that I knew came from stable parents that had sociability to not just people, but also dogs. And like, boy, did I get that. He's so savvy and social. And like, 
you know, I agree, right? Like I want people to rescue pit bulls if that's what they want to do, but there's, there's so much more to that. And there's so many unknowns. And unfortunately we can't reverse everything. We can't change everything. Exactly. Right. Like some things are hardwired and like, in my opinion, you were a part of the solution, right? And staffs are going to continue on living happy lives, right? With low chances of aggression, low chances of health issues. And like, that's something to celebrate, right? Because I think that everyone listening to this podcast loves pit bull type dogs. But if every pit bull type dog we love is aggressive, has other issues, there's not a lot of sustainability in future. Anymore. Yeah. Right? Like that's exactly. just a short term plan. And on the, the, the owner side of that, owning a dog with serious behavior problems is a lot. And I would never wish yeah. that on anyone. It is. And it can be a liability, like going out in public or, you know, and it's just not, it's just a hard situation for everybody, you know, involved. And I see that a lot when people come in, like dogs that are they're like, we rescued them and they're, you know, they barely want to walk on a leash. And it's, it's sad, but, but those dogs take a special kind of person, you know, and some people don't have the time. They want a great dog, but they still, they don't have the time and the energy to invest in, you know, trying to rehabilitate. No, that's why when I found puppy culture, I thought it was great because I thought that, you know, I could use this on top of just, you know, your normal, like in some breeders, like, well, we do that already, but she gave me a like step-by-step guy. I love stuff that's step-by-step, like tell me exactly what you want and I can do it, you know? And it just made it, I just saw a difference in in the way they grew up and they're just so eager to learn. They're like sponges. And if you can try to, you know, tap into that early on, it makes training so much easier. Not saying that it's not going to be hard because they're still going to go through their teenage, you know, adolescence where they act like they forget everything that they've learned, but you still have a baseline to go back to and, and start and be like, well, I can start back from here because I know that, you know, they have this, instilled in them and it makes it easier and you know when you're talking about fear periods and you know just stimulating them early on into everything it it makes it so much easier to send them into their homes knowing that I gave them the best start you know that I could it makes it easier crate starting them with crate training you know people I mean I know when I get puppies I know it's going to be hard but I don't want it screaming you know all night but if I can like just ease that a little bit for people that just makes it and it doesn't take much more effort you know I like seeing you know some it's hard don't get me wrong like sometimes it's hard but when I can see them in their homes afterwards and I can get messages or I can get videos and see how much you know progress they're doing like it makes it so much worth it like so much more worth it than just like feeding them and putting them in a cradle, you know, in an X-pen and expecting, because it, it helps owners, you know, train them. It helps them be a permanent, you know, you try to, you try to weed out the people that you don't think are going to be good. It's hard to even find appropriate homes, but it gets harder when you do find appropriate homes, whenever the puppies aren't, you know, where they need to be. It makes it easier for the owner to continue with with what you started with, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, no, and it's, it's an incredible foundation, right? And like for everyone listening, so that is how we were connected is I saw, I saw you post in a puppy culture group. I was like, shut the fuck up. Someone is breeding (laughs) Amstaff's with puppy culture. Like I have to have one of these puppies. And seriously, like it's, it's really incredible now, right? That Waylon is three and a half, right? To see the effects of everything you did with him before he came to me. Like it's, it's truly remarkable, right? Like, I mean, just for example, like in the neighborhood we live in, fireworks are absolutely insane. Our other dog, Tiva, completely terrified. Waylon, couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Totally fine. Doesn't bother him. And like the trainability, I mean, I remember the video you sent me of clicker training the puppies. five weeks old, maybe yeah. six weeks old. I can't even remember, but that has rung true, right? Like Waylon learns things very quickly and easily. And you're so right. Like 
all of that has made my job as the owner so much easier. And let's be honest, so much more enjoyable for the dogs too, because it's not this very hard thing. They're just like, oh yeah, sometimes you hear noises. Sometimes you do Mm -hmm. clicker training, right? Like, and, and I think that dogs deserve that. And I think that people deserve to own dogs with such an amazing early upbringing like that. So I want to just touch on something because I want to give you so many kudos. So I know that there were 10 dogs in Wayland's litter, but you yeah. had pretty historically large ass litters, have you not? Yeah, I had, so Blossom's sister Bella had 11. <laughs> yeah, um, Blossom's sister had 11 last year. Unfortunately, we lost two, but I, I've had at least nine like per litter. Uh, Blossom litter that... Randall came out was actually she only had seven which surprised like I was surprised I was like what there's only seven and it made it it was easier of course like you know because there's only seven of them but when you're clicker training you're trying to figure out like okay we're all manding here who do I did you sit down first did you sit down first like it, you have to definitely get into a routine and but it's enjoyable you know I get up at 4 30 in the morning I go to the gym and I come home and I do dogs you know and it only takes a couple minutes. Like, I think people think that you need an hour-long session to do these trainings, but you don't. You just need a couple minutes per puppy. And when you have 10 puppies, you know, that comes, that turns into 30, 40 minutes. So it does. But when you just have one dog at home, you know, just a couple minutes a day, you know, just keep treats by. You can, like, teach them amazing things. But there are, they are very intelligent. And I think that is what, you know, draws me to the breed too, is because they're not dumb. Like they're super, super smart and it doesn't take them long to catch on to anything that you want to do with them. And that's what I love so much about Amstaffs too, right? Like will the willingness and eagerness to be like, okay, cool. We're doing mm-hmm. this. All right. I'm ready. I'm game. Like that's something that I feel like a lot of breeds have, but not in the same like good looking muscular package that I prefer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's what drew me to the breed. I'm like, I want heads like that. I was, I'm like, you know, like I want, like, I don't want, I'm only five two, So I wanted something that I was still going to be able to handle you know, and, but I, did, I didn't want, cause I'm like, if something happens, like the dog gets sick, I want to be able to put it in my car. So, you know, that was a, when I'm looking to a breed, that was a consideration. Like, I don't want something super, super big, but I want something, you know, stocky. And that's what the breed standard, you know, they're not supposed to be long legged and racy. They're supposed to be, you know, stocky dogs. And that's what I like it. You know, it draws, you know, when you're walking down the street, people, even if they don't like the breed, you know, they're like impressed because they're like, that's a nice looking dog, you know, and sometimes it might get you bad, you know, people look in sometimes even the people that don't, you know, like they still ask questions. Some people, it starts the conversation striker and it helps you advocate for the breed that you can have a dog that's proportionate and looks like what it's supposed to look like. And you can, piggyback from that and try to educate people, you know, on the breed. Yeah. Oh my God. So many conversation starters. Well, and like Waylon, this dog, anytime he sees anyone, his whole body starts wiggling. Like, Ooh, who's that? So you can only imagine how many conversations get started by that. When you see this like muscly ass dog, like wiggling at someone. Yeah. Yeah. He's won over a lot of people. That's for damn sure. Yeah, because people don't expect them to be so sweet. They look at them, they think they're intimidating, but like they're just goofballs that like tear my sofa cushion up outside on occasion. But you know, like you can't even be mad. They just they're dogs, and they're just great. They're great breeds. But that's definitely one thing that drew me to them. I was never really like the fluffy foo foo type, which is funny now because I have the louchin, and people are looking at me like that's not you. And I'm like, you're right. It wasn't me, but they grew on me too. And they fit so well together. Oh my God. They're, they're such like an unlikely duo. I love it so much. So were the Lauchens your idea or your daughter's idea? No. So my daughter wanted something fluffy and I was like, Ooh. but I wanted something to, that wasn't popular. 
And so um, I think I was on like purebred snobs and I saw, you know, somebody post one on there and I was like, okay, that could be cool. And like, I talked to people and they're like, oh, well, they're sturdy. They're smart. And I'm like, yes, I need sturdy because I have Amstas, you know, and a lady in California had them and she had Corsos. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe this could work. So no, they're good. Like the Loucher and Goofy and the Amstas put up with them. They know like, I can't be too rough with them. I mean, I've posted videos and most times the am staff are just looking at them like, why are you running in circles? But <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great together. I love that. And it, it just shows you that the breeds just, they can get along with anyone. Like, you know, even small dogs that aren't their size. I mean, these dogs only get to be about 10 pounds and 10, 15 pounds. And they all, I run them outside all together. Or even like, for instance, Blossom, when she had her litter, Stella was in there too, like, hey, I'll help you. I'll nurse these puppies for you. Like, I'll watch them. <laughs> oh my God, that is so adorable. Okay, so, okay, so we talked about Bella who started it all, and then Kevin. So Bubbles is Waylon's sister. So tell us a yes. little bit more about her. So um, Bubbles lives in North Carolina, my friend, and I have Blossom here. They're all okay. three they're all three out of the same litter. And so Blossom is kind of like in the middle between Kevin and Bella. So Blossom finished her championship at a year and a half. Maybe not even, maybe it was small. Like I literally finished Kevin in July and then I finished Blossom in September. So it was not, it didn't take her long at all. She's so happy and she's sweet and she snorts and she sounds like a pig and like, that's just her. She snorts a lot. And I had a judge ask me one time, they're like, is she growling? And I'm like, no, no, definitely not. Like, she just talks. Like, that's how she talks. But she's sweet. And she likes doing lore coursing. She's not real big into dock diving. We tried that. That wasn't really her thing. She's not big into water like Kevin. Kevin loves water. But um, she's really versatile. She will sit on the sofa with you or you know she'll run around outside with you but um she's great i love them all i they're just a, such an awesome breed and it's so awesome to like see them you know they were all born here so it's just to, it's it's just special to know that you know they were born here and i finished their championship and you know i did everything owner handler so it's definitely a lot. I feel like accomplishment for me, especially because, you know, in the beginning, I wanted to show dogs, but I was nervous. Like I had Bella, I had a handler for Bella for a while. And finally, I, like, she just wasn't showing well for them. And I was like, you know what, I'm my next dog, I'm just gonna do it myself. And you don't know everything you learn, like I'm still learning, they teach me things like one time Blossom pooped on the ramp at a dog show. And I was just like, sorry. <laughs> you know like but that's half the fun right like that's what's so addicting about like the dog realm right is that like there is more to learn there is more to do with the dogs like that's what's so appealing mm -hmm. about it. yeah it, it, it really is like you know and you meet tons of good people like I think a lot of my life now consists of dog people like you know they everything like all the people that I talk to on a regular basis now you know I talk about you know, dogs with, so, but, you know, I have Blossom and Kevin, and then I have a Kevin daughter, and is that she, Tabitha? yeah, Tabitha is different, <laughs> she, um, she's really sweet, but she's really mellow, and so when I started puppy culture with her, um, I worked with her a lot. She just was a little bit more reserved personality-wise. She took a little bit, like when you see the videos, people posting, you know, like, well, what do I, she was one of those puppies. Like she took a lot more time to catch on to things than the other dogs. And that's where you get to like, they all have different personalities. Like she is, she's very smart. She's just more reserved um and a little shy compared to the others like not as outgoing um lacks a little bit of confidence and we worked on like I worked on that a lot with her um for whatever reason I mean you know even in the welcome box she was kind of like touch me not like so it took a lot more she took a lot more work than the other ones did a lot more time but 
you know, that makes her a little bit more, you know, it makes her special in a different way. Like we can do stuff and accomplish stuff together because I know, you know, where we started. That's so cool. And I'm sure like every litter, each puppy teaches you something else, whether you want to learn. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yes, definitely. No, she's great. Um, Hopefully we'll finish her championship providing, you know, dog shoes ever Ever start again. (laughs) I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but. Oh my God. Okay. So, so what's the future of Leilani Amstaffs? So, I mean, I like to have a top 10 dog here eventually. Um, no, I just want to continue to like temperament and health is like first and foremost, you know, um, I have, as far as confirmation goes, I have done a couple of readings and I didn't feel as though structurally, you know, the dogs were what I needed to continue my program. And so, but I make sure everybody goes into amazing homes. Like, Randall was here so he was about seven months old and as much as I loved him he was super mellow he just didn't have the temperament for it like you know it's it's confirmation you know you're looking at structure but you're also looking at like that personality that pizzazz and he was kind of like his you know his grandmother he was just like I just want to sit on this sofa and I'm just gonna watch tv (laughs) and that what a lovely personality trait to go to a pet home right? Yeah, exactly. And they get along perfect. Like he fit in perfect with her other dogs. Like it was just like a great match. Meant to be, right? And I get updates from them and it's great. And I'm like, you know what? That worked out perfectly. And, and I'm glad it worked out because sometimes when they get, even though he's still a puppy, when they get a little older, you know, over that cute little not that he's not cute, but when they get older, six, seven months old, it's hard to find them um good homes like people want an eight-week-old puppy they don't want you know an older dog it, it's hard to find older am stuff so you get your I get occasional like do you have any older dogs but it's it's rare yeah people really want puppies so have you gotten an increase in desire for puppies through the whole COVID thing I have I get a lot of um a lot of inquiries and it makes it harder because people you don't know like yeah you're home right now but what are you going to do when you go back to work yeah for so sure. but then I'm also like okay well maybe it's okay because they are home and that gives them more time to train them so maybe when they go back to work you know they'll be more equipped you know than they would have had they been working it's hard like you know you just gotta try to do your best to fill out people and I think for the most part you know I have done a decent job placing dogs I have only ever had to take back one dog and that was because her husband passed away and you know she just couldn't take care of him but um and most people say there's only a handful of people that don't keep contact with me most people do and I've had to learn to you know let go like Cause I still want to be like, you know, talking to people and like, well, you should do this and you should, you know, you kind of got to let them be like, let people be. And if they, you know, you just try to do the best you can. If they want to reach out and send you pictures and uh, you know, that's, that's fine. If not, you know, that's okay too. I have a guy that he has um, Bella, a puppy out of Bella's first litter. And I think he lives in Colorado somewhere. I have to find out. I can't remember. But I don't talk to him. He doesn't have, like, social media. But every um, February, he sends me a picture. Oh. Every year. And so, like, the other thing, like, he's, like, he's doing great. That's the only communication we have. And, you know, I share the picture, and that's okay. So, you know, you try, and you do get more, you know, homes right now because people are home, you know. And at first, I was like, well, where – if the people aren't working, how are they buying dogs? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that for the most part, it's the people that could always afford the dogs to begin with anyway. So, I mean, I do get people on occasion and I talk about price and they're like, no, like no way. And I'm like, okay, so. Right. Then this puppy. Fine too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. That part gets difficult, but. 
you know, I try to weed out people as best as I can. And it gets hard because people are like, well, do you have like an application? And I'm like, no, I don't. Like, because that's boring. Like, I can give you 10 questions and you can sit here and write them down and tell me exactly what I want to hear. Yeah. You know? And I guess some people use it just to weed out people that don't even want to take the time, which I get that. But, you know, I want to feel a person out. I want to talk to them. I want to see what their life is like and, you know, try to see if I can envision, you know, my puppy there. What do you want lifelong, you know, as far as a dog goes? Yeah. And I don't even know everything, you know, because I don't want everybody to know my business either. But, you know, just, you know. I try to get a fill out for people, what they want long-term, what they expect. Do they really know what the breed is? Some people think that the breed is a nanny breed and that they were taking care of kids while you went to the grocery store. <laughs> that's not true. I think that's one of the like things that people think that they did and they didn't. Or they think that, um, they think that it's all in how you raise them. And it's not like genetics play a huge part. And granted, I think that the breed has come a long way with dog aggression. Um, because like I said, I can, all my females go out together. Even when, you know, Randall was here or other dogs were here, they all went out together. Now I'm not going to throw random females and random males in my house, like in the yard with them. But for the most part, my dogs all get along. and. I think that's a big issue is dog aggression. I think people think that, well, if I love it enough and that that would just go away and it doesn't go away, it's, it's there. You know, some lines is just not as strong as other lines. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something I consider when I'm breeding too. Like when I'm looking for studs to incorporate in my program, like I want to know all of that because I need to know how those are going to fit into my program yeah no and that's the future right and like that's what i i love just so much about what you're doing you know like not only because i obviously own Waylon and he's a fantastic dog but like for the trajectory of the breed right like intentional breeding and understanding genetics and understanding health testing and an early development like that is the future that's the future where pit bull type dogs are happy family pets right they're not making mm -hmm. headlines right like that's the future and i think that you know this whole you know adopt don't shop like it's it's actually working against us it's not making mm -hmm. pit bulls any better what's happening is backyard breeders and puppy mills are still pumping out puppies and well-meaning people yep. are getting stuck with huge behavior problems and health issues, right? Like, I think that I'm just, I'm grateful to you for having this conversation with me, right? Because I know that it's, it's not a super popular opinion in a lot of pit bull circles, but I think people need to hear it and understand that like you are the future of AMSTAPS. And that's a really beautiful thing. And that should be celebrated because you're producing fantastic dogs. Yeah, I think that's the misconception with people. Like, we try really, really hard for our dogs not to end up in shelters. I mean, I've seen breeders like, hey, this dog is in this state. Can you, you know, help me get it here so I can, you know, place it or try to find a home for it? Can I get it back? You know, I, like I said, I got a dog back. They were in um, Boston. And I paid, you know, my own money to have it, to have them transported back here. So, you know, we try hard. A lot of these dogs you find in shelters, they're not from breeder, not from reputable breeders. Not saying that it can't happen because anything is possible. But most of the time, they're not from reputable breeders. They're from the people that are just, you know, breeding to make a quick buck in the backyard. Like, yeah. And that's what makes it hard, too, with, like, your your blue Amstaff because people want your blue-eyed blue, blue, blue -eyed Amstaff. And I'm like, their eyes don't stay, they're not supposed to stay blue, <laughs> you know, like, right, like, no. not in the best interest of the dog for it to be like, yeah, so, you know, it, it definitely gets, it's hard trying to advocate, uh, you know, advocate for them, because you don't want, like, I don't want dogs in shelters either, you know, but, and, but at the same time, like, you get what you pay for, like, I think some people check Craigslist, or they check these yard sale pages, because they don't want to spend the money to invest, from a reputable breeder 
Right. But then they're missing, right? They're missing what you actually get. And then they don't know until it's too late. Right. And then they have this dog with X, Y, or Z problems on their hands. Yeah. 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 And then you get like, like, not that like I'm saying I'm amazed, but you get lifelong career support. You can call, like, I don't mind people call and people text me all the time, you know, like one guy, he has a, a Amstaff from another breeder and he got one for me recently. And he's like, is it okay for them to play like that? And I'm like, they get, you know, mouthy and, you know, that's how they play, you know, to an extent, as long as, you know, it's not aggression, you know, that's okay. And so I tell them sometimes they get a little, you know, overzealous. You might think that it's, it's being aggressive, but it's, it's not, you know, so those are questions that you can ask, you know, like, um, some people aren't as, you know, and I, I had to learn that, not everybody was like me. Like I was the kid that went to the library and got dog books because, you know, I wanted to be a veterinarian and this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to learn all the breeds, you know? So some people, while they're familiar, you still have to get down to the basics with them and you don't realize like, you know, proper leash and, you know, like they're familiar with the breed, but they're like not familiar with other things. Like I try to tell people, like I'm not big into harnesses starting out because it do- doesn't teach them how to walk on a leash properly. And so you have to just teach people, you know, things like that. And I tried to like, or people are like, you know, they're barking. You just try to curve that barking into something, you know, positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, and I can't get that from a shelter. Like, no, that continued to support. Right. And like, you know, I remember very early on, Waylon was like still a puppy and like having you as that lifeline, just as like that moral reassurance. Like, I feel like ultimately I knew what to do, but just like having your support from afar just was like, you know, like that, I feel like you cultivate a lot, right. In, in supporting your puppy owners so that they can be su- su- successful, but also so that they have you as like, you know, a sounding board if they need help later in their life. And I think mm-hmm. that that prevents a, a whole lot of things from escalating to like, sh- you know, the dog ended up at the shelter or something, right? Like you having that exactly. connection with puppy buyers. Um, that that's beautiful. And I, and I agree, right? Like that's, you're investing in way more than just a dog. You're invest, investing in a support system, which is mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah, exactly. I don't think a lot of people, you know, realize that. Or some people are like, they just want to be done with you afterwards. And that's fine too, you know? Like, I'm okay. With, you know, if, if you need me, I'm here. You know, I people text me all the time. Like, sometimes I'm asleep, so I have to get back to you tomorrow because I'll be, you know? But like, or especially if there's a time difference, like people be like, oh, I forgot. And I'm like, no big deal. You know, I thought at two o'clock when I just happened to wake up and I'll talk to you tomorrow. But I don't have, I don't have a problem talking to people. I like talking about, you know, the dogs, you know, and sometimes I'll learn from people, like some of my puppy buyers, you know, we're always learning. Yeah. And bettering the breed, which is the whole point. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So do you have any future letters planned? Um, I do have future litter planned. I actually um, bred Tabitha, so I just confirmed like a couple days ago, and so I'm super excited because I like her. Um, I would like her to have a little bit more like bone substance. She's more of a moderate type dog. She's got a little bit more legs than I would like, but she's balanced, and I think she's a nice you know, she's a nice female. And so I bred her to a male that's a little bit shorter, stockier. He's like my ideal. Like he's like Kevin, but just a little bit shorter. Cause they tip like the breed is supposed to be female 17, 18 inch tall and males 18 to 19 inches tall. And I think a lot, um, there's a little bit bigger dogs in the ring right now. Um, so I tried to stay within, you know, I mean, you're not going to throw a dog out because it's, you know, a little bit taller, but I'm hoping that, you know, we'll get some stuff down the middle and see what happens, but I'm excited to see what they produce. So it's always great. Cause you know, you, you look at these dogs and you see what you like and you try to get the other dog to compliment, you know, the other dog. And you're like, so it's like so exciting every time you do a breeding. Cause you just never know, you know, 
what you're going to get. Like, this last time I read Blossom, I didn't think I was going to get all Brindle puppies. I'm not a big fan of Brindle, color-wise, and it really humbled me. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, well, this is okay, you know? No big deal. Because you, I mean, let's be honest. We all say that or color is not important but we still have our ideal dog like I would like a a nice dog that's this color like black is my favorite color and and maybe that's what you know and Kevin to me is perfect you know I would like him to have a little bit of better front but you know I that would be my ideal dog I don't everybody likes red I don't know why I think (laughs) because judges prefer red I guess I don't know and a lot of breeders don't care for the blue, and I don't know why either, because they're nice too. But I think a lot of us are harder on the blue dogs structure-wise because they're not as appealing to judges. So we look at them like we pick nitpick structurally a little bit more with them than we do the other breeds. And then some people seem to think that blue dogs have more skin issues, but I don't see that. So God. the the wide world of color variation, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like I don't know. I'm just like I just need a top ten dog this year. Like if shows ever start back up, that would be great. I love it. Oh my God. Okay, so if my listeners want to connect with you, where can they find you? So they can find me on Facebook, um, uh, Leilani uh, Amstabs and Louchin now, or Instagram Leilani Kennels. Um, or my email, leilanistaff at gmail.com. I don't have a website yet because I'm not that savvy yet. So I need to get on that. (laughs) Nice. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This is awesome. No, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about the breed. Like I said, they're great. And, you know, if anybody ever just wants to talk and, you know, or they're in the area and they want to meet them, like, I'm all for it. You know, I know COVID's going on, but there's always outside things. You don't have to be inside or anything like that. But, you know, or people that, you know, are, you know, one family member might be opposed to it. You know, as a kid, my dad was like, no, no, we can't have one of those dogs. And I had to research and I had to tell him, like, they're great dogs. Like, you should let me have one. You know, and now he loves them. They come, he comes and lets them out when I'm not home. I love it. I love that winning the family members over. That's the best. Yeah, because some people, they, you know, people are setting their ways. Sometimes it takes meeting, you know, a well-bred dog to change people's minds. Like they have this, you know, stigma. And I, you know, not just Amstaff, my sister has a chihuahua. And people are like, oh, they're yappy. But he's, Milo's great. Like. He's not your typical, but that's what you get when you get a dog that's actually, you know, well-bred. Yeah. Regardless of the breed. Ain't it the truth. Ain't it the truth. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore in co. You can also find us on Facebook at A Good Feeling Dog Training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com.